Blog Talk Radio. Presidente. Are we ready to get things started this weekend? What is this weekend? Huh? Oh, that's right. It is championship weekend in our prospective divisions, NFC and AFC. We are going to know today what kind of combination came together to, uh, for us to have a Super Bowl coming up here in a couple of weeks. Will it be <clears throat> the Niners and the Bengals? I don't know. Will it be the Rams and the Bengals? I don't know, but I certainly do think that it might be the the, the Bengals, but we'll certainly see how that uh, all of that plays out. Obviously, Kansas City is going to have a vote in that. I like Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. They're my second favorite AFC, AFC team, but you always kind of got to like look in your back pocket and root for the underdog, if you will. And the Bengals certainly are that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but it's either going to be uh, somebody from the – I mean, it is that, <laughs> let me just re-pause re, re that. Uh, it's definitely going to be somebody from the AFC and the NFC, and we're going to find that out. Coming up later in the show is uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, will join us and break down all the combinations. And, yes, we will uh, uh, definitely be getting our Super Bowl. And not picks, because we're going to save that for Super Bowl Sunday, which, by the way, don't don't want to miss Super Bowl Sunday here at The Balance. Every year, we've been doing it for as long as I can remember. Every year, uh, the, the Balance does a Super Bowl special, and it is – a great way to start your Super Bowl Sunday. And, and, you know, it doesn't interfere with anything that's going on with the Super Bowl activities. Doesn't interfere with your party or your food or your drinking because we started at the same time, 9 a.m. And, of course, if you want to listen to it later on, you can do it here on the podcast. Also, uh, uh, Steve Wilson is uh, on the schedule here to join us here in a few minutes from Daytona. We've only got him for a few minutes. It's been kind of a crazy trip for him down there as the Rolex uh, 24 is kind of a cold Rolex. It's actually uh, for Florida. It's actually pretty doggone cold down there. So uh, we'll, we'll talk with him and get the, the latest of what's going on with the Rolex 24 as well. We called up with Tony uh, Donahue of the Tony D podcast yesterday uh, to uh, do our segment for uh, the NBA segment. So we're going to get into that as well. My name is Tom Marquis. <laughs> I'm still alive. I'm not sure. I've been 
more getting better now. I'm on the other side of, of things, I, I think. My name is Tom Marcosell, President Day. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> I'm at a party I don't wanna be at And I don't ever wear a suit and tie eye Wondering if I can sneak up the back Nobody's even looking me in my eye Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party Everyone's got so much to say yeah. I always feel like I'm National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans, 
causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. And our official NASCAR contributor, Steve, how are you, sir? Um, I'm doing pretty good. However, you're right. It's uh, It may be sunshiny out here, but I can tell you <laughs> one thing. It is cold. I, I saw where this is one of the uh, coldest uh, Rolex 24s of, of all time. Now, I know you're headed out to, to the track. Uh, talk with us a little bit because I know we've only got you for a few minutes here. Uh, but go ahead and talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the Rolex 24. What are you looking at? What are some of the storylines that you are following with drivers, teams, suppliers, uh, and, and all that as they go through probably one of the coldest Rolex 24s in history? Well, I, uh, well, I mean, I guess being cold is better than being hot, um, you know, so there's, there's always that. However, you know, this thing will get started just a little after uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon, about 1.30 or so. Uh, you got 61 racing machines spread across multiple classes that will take the green flag at that point and then set sail for uh, somewhere around 1,100 laps around Daytona's uh, famed tri- uh, tri-oval as well as the infield course. Uh, Wayne Keller Racing going and looking to try and do this thing all over again, which they've uh, done several times in the past. And, um, you know, you've also got uh, drivers like Jimmy Johnson in the field. You've got IndyCar drivers in the field. You've got F1 drivers in the field. So multiple disciplines will be out there and trying to tackle this thing throughout their 24-hour stint around the, the Speedway later this afternoon and throughout the night. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the the uh, Corvette machine out there. What what do we know about what's going on with that? I know McLear, uh, and then we were talking about Michelin's bigger. Sorry, sorry, I was about ready to sneeze right in your ear, Steve. Let's love it when that happens. Let's talk a little bit about some of these manufacturers who are out there this out there this weekend. Uh, Corvette, what are your thoughts? Um, well, you know, uh, Corvette coming back into this is. Uh, you know, we, we've, uh, sorry, I'm trying to drive here just at the same time with you. Um, yeah, Corvette coming back into this and, uh, you know, what I, what I'm, what I'm really surprised about is, uh, uh, Ford performance bringing back a Mustang to this, uh, 
deal once again. They've uh, bringing a new GT3 into this, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see what that's going to do. Um, you know, there's uh, you've also got Cadillac into this. It's going to be uh, performing in the LMP2s um, throughout the throughout the night, and um, you know, I just I just think that you know, just having a, a multiple manufacturers into this, as well as what uh, you know, a lot of people would really define as what a sports car is today between uh, some of the Corvettes and Mustangs, and uh, you know, I I don't know if necessarily consider a Cadillac a sports car, but you know, more so a luxury car than a sports car, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's still good to see some of these different manufacturers coming into this and really performing and putting on, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, 61 machines later today that'll be out here. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very exciting to watch. Mercedes is another uh, big challenger out there. So, you know, just, you know, let's just humor ourselves here. If I wanted to go out and buy one of these things, it wouldn't be like going to uh, the Mercedes car lot, picking one out, taking it for a test drive and say, that's the one I want, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that would be about it. You know, there, there's some high dollar machines that'll be, you know, represented and, uh, you know, you you talk about some of those Corvettes. I mean, you know, Corvettes these days they're they're not cheap anymore. I mean, you're you're looking at you know eighty thousand dollars or so for a Corvette. So you know, it's uh, yeah, you're right. It's like yeah, that's the one I want, but is it the one I can afford? <laughs> you know what? I'll take I'll take that little sedan over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what it could do. Well, I know it's it's supposed to be you know around 50 degrees. Like I say, that's cold for Florida. It's definitely going to be cold. But they've been qualifying in wet weather and rain uh, over the last quali- uh, the last couple of days of practice. And in that, uh, unlike a lot of uh, race machine uh, race series that we see, uh, these guys will race in the rain all night long. I mean, I believe lightning is the only thing that can pull them off the track. Is that correct? <clears throat> Yes, yes, uh, with the policy, NASCAR or, or IMSA, sorry. Same same company, basically. I, I'm so used to saying NASCAR. But, yes, um, there there is a policy within uh, Lightning Strike, within so many miles, they will uh, start clearing off pit road and things like that, and then they will uh, eventually take the cars off the track um, once it uh, hits a point where it begins getting even closer. But, um, you know, rain... Uh, you know, the cold heat doesn't matter. They're going to stick it out. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think it gets rather interesting in the rain because then they get to slap some of those rain tires on those cars and then go back out there and hit the track at full speed. So, you know, you slip and slide around on these high banks out here, uh, you can get in trouble pretty quickly, especially in the rain. Well, they don't call out the Rolex 24 for nothing. The reason for that is is that it's 24 hours as this afternoon, whatever time you said, I think it was 1 or one thirty when they take the green flag. It goes for a full 24 hours. Uh, they they do stop in the pit to shift drivers around, and they've got teams set up within teams. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the setup. You've got basically uh, the, the afternoon shift, the night shift, and the early morning shift. Uh, talk with us a little bit about how these teams are dispersed and how they're put together real quickly while we still got you here. <laughs> 
each of the each of these teams has four different drivers that will begin will compete. Usually, uh, most of them will take two to three hours to dance out there, and they'll rotate throughout um, the the night and throughout uh, tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow afternoon. There is a maximum number of hours that they're allowed in there, but um, they they will uh, begin shorter shifts uh, later on, uh, earlier on in the race to see. Uh, who performs the best in the car. So as we get closer to the end, um, they can make a, a plan as to who will stay longer in the car and eventually take this thing to the checkered flag tomorrow afternoon. Now, the che- checkered flag, I just uh, I want to make sure that I understand this. Th- there's points throughout this race as, as well, but the checkered flag does indicate the winner, correct? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. And, and don't forget, you know, there are – uh, multiple different um, uh, classes that are performing throughout, uh, you know, the field. So even though that there is an overall winner, you do have multiple other classes below them that could be as much as a minute or two behind just because based on speed. And uh, some of these, uh, even some of the, once you get into the smaller ser- series and uh, uh, and the classes that are out here, they will uh, can be as dozens of laps behind some of the LMP2 race machines, but still be considered the winner of the race just because of the fact that, uh, you know, they are the top of their class when they take the checkered flag later, later on tomorrow. So, you know, you will have as many as four different winners, but you'll have an overall winner also on top of it. Final question to you, uh, Steve Wilson. I know we kept you just a couple of minutes longer than what we thought we were going to, but the GT Pro uh, uh, class has replaced the GT Le Mans. Now, that, that has a bigger implication uh, to professional drivers, uh, and with the factories, uh, factories backing. Talk with us a little bit about how that comes about. The, GT, the GTD sorry, Pro uh, replaces the GT Le Mans class, which we know was, was a, a pretty major factor in these races. <clears throat> Uh, I'm not going to get into that because I don't I don't know enough of that story to to be knowledgeable on it. Um, some of these things I'm actually still trying to learn my own self. So uh, <laughs> I, I I would uh, feel a little bit foolish if I try and say something that uh, isn't correct. Fair enough. Fair enough. I threw you a curveball there because you know honestly I I you you're still learning on the uh, Rolex race series uh, as I am also and have been. So I always commit every year that I'm going to watch this thing. I'm going to watch the green flag and the checkered flag. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that sounds good. I can I can commit to that. Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, Georgia. You be uh, careful out there and and try to stay warm in that balmy 50 degree weather. But you'll be indoors. You'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you much. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Excuse me, people. I hate to do that, but it just comes up on me. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest uh, and our official NASCAR contributor, jumps on talking about the, the NASCAR uh, race. And, and, you know, it's certainly uh, a lot's going on. And you know what I guess is exciting about this is that it's in Daytona, and it's a precursor not the same series if we want to get technical, but it's a precursor uh, to the Daytona 500. And when we go uh, talking about the Daytona 500, we're uh, we're back in season with uh, racing, and certainly racing is one of the our favorite things that like that we like to talk about here on 
on the show. We have a large racing audience and, and certainly enjoy covering it throughout the year. Racing certainly has the shortest uh, off-season uh, around, uh, next followed by maybe the NBA. But certainly racing has the shortest off-season, especially NASCAR has the shortest uh, off-season whatever. So, yeah, you can just use the word whatever. But, you know, certainly there'll be a lot of big names, notable, uh, you know, notable, noticeable drivers you'll see there, you know, uh, from Chip Canassi Racing, you'll, you'll have Scott Dixon, you'll have Elio Castaneves, you know, who isn't with Penske anymore. But, you know, you certainly, uh, Elio Castaneves, Summit Padajan, Kyle Kirkwood from AJ Foyt. Uh, and, of, of course, uh, Austin Sendrick will be there for his first uh, Rolex 24. So there'll be some uh, notable drivers that you'll know uh, throughout the day. So there'll be <clears throat> the actually the Rolex uh, 24 field is the largest that it's, that it's ever had at the Daytona International Speedway. Uh, with, with testing and qualifying, the entry list was about 61 cars. Uh, that would mark the largest uh, car count. Since 67 cars have finished that Rolex 24. Uh, so you can catch that on the radio. You can also catch it on uh, NBC Sports app, NBCSports.com. All of that will be streamed all night long. And, of course, the USA Network will be picking up live coverage. The Peacock has live coverage. So you really just got to go and check out online uh, where it's at. It'll bounce around. It's a 24-hour race. So you're not going to be able to watch the on the same network, but just follow if you if you're the brave soul that wants to to do that. I, I want I want to hear from you. You're welcome on this show to talk with us a little bit about your adventures of the 24. I you know I have to admit I thought I was going to do it one time. I didn't do it. I did get drunk, but I didn't uh, I didn't make it the the, the full 24 hours. Uh, but it's really really neat, and especially if you got it on your phone or your apps, you could do other things while you're you know while you're watching it, while you've got it on. It's really neat uh, to watch it. And I think it's the coolest part of it when it when it's dark, when it gets dark uh, with the lights and the and and you can watch the if you've got the apps, the proper apps, uh, you can. And just go to imsta.com. It'll tell you what apps to download. They're all free. Uh, but you can watch the uh, dash cams and, you know, the the, tit, the pit cams. And there's all kinds of different angles that you can see. So it's really uh, kind of neat to watch. And, you know, just the sound of these things will hypnotize you. It's amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, a lot going on at Daytona. Uh, garage has opened up at opened up Wednesday. Certainly, they had practice and qualifying, but the big day starts today. Gar- uh, garages are already open, uh, so uh, y- you know the the race I b- believe begins somewhere around one o'clock, uh, and it'll go a full twenty four hours. So really, really exciting. Thank you, to Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR uh, contributor, uh, for joining us. And talking with us a little bit about that, like I said, it's it, you know we joke about 50 degrees because you know if you live here in Indiana, well, as I do here in Indianapolis, where our studio is, high atop the Bellows Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, it made cold. It's nine degrees right now. I'll take that 50 degrees that's supposed to happen in Florida. Uh, but you know what? I don't know much about Celsius, but isn't that 
it was probably somebody smarter than me that knows it, but I'm pretty sure 50 degrees is actually 9 degrees Celsius. There's a, there's a what-if fact for you. <laughs> See what happens when I'm left for my own demises. Uh, Steve's like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come join you, but I can't, I can only do a few minutes as I'm, I'm driving to the, the track. And I guess he, he lives in Virginia and I guess he had all kinds of issues, uh, getting to the track with snow and detours and, and, and all, all kinds of things. So it, you know, we joke about it, but it'd be 50 degrees, but that is one of the coldest, um, uh, Rolex 24s on record. If that's how, how it how it plays out not expected to get up up above 50 degrees now the problem is a problem that could be problematic is with the tires and when you have cold tires you know that uh, is is always an issue that's why they talk about heating up the, the tires and heating up the track so we'll see how, how that plays out of course this is on the road course it's not on the on the daytona oval that we'll see the uh, daytona 500 uh so you know I guess depending on which forecast you're looking at, but it, again, the highest temperature is going to be around 50 degrees. I, I digress. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Make sure that you follow us on our uh, so- social media at T Balance and on Facebook. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, uh, that's great. Love to have you as part of the live audience because really what you're listening to is the live audience. Well, you're not listening to the live audience. The ballot's recorded live before a live studio audience. Canned laughter enter here. You're listening to the live broadcast. And I digress. I digress. I can I can see people dropping off right right now as as we speak. But make sure you follow us. But yeah, take some time if you're up on a Saturday morning. I know that's awful early if you're out on the uh, Pacific side of on the West Coast. Uh, I know it's, you know, it's pretty early for you, you know, 6, six o'clock, 6.30, uh, but hey, it's well worth it. Grab your coffee. One thing I want to point out, I'd love to have all of you here on Super Bowl Sunday. That is our Super Bowl special. We do it every year. We're lining up the guests. We're going to have a great guest lined up, uh, and we're going to be talking about all of that. We're going to be talking about who is good. Well, by the end of today, or the end of this weekend, I, I'm sorry. By the end of this weekend, we're going to know who is going to be in the Super Bowl. So uh, excited about that. You know, there's, there's a few great days in, in, in the world, if you will. Of course, Christmas, birth of Christ. That's the real meaning of, of Christmas, right? The Indy 500 and the Super Bowl. Those are the three. And, well, I'm sorry, July 4th. Right? Forgot July 4th is a minute. Just, just for <laughs> a moment, and uh, you know, some great holidays. So that said, we celebrate that holiday here at the Balance, and we have, and, and the good thing about it is, it's before any of your your shows. There won't interfere with parties or food, you know, or anything like that. So you know, grab some coffee, listen to us live, get your Super Bowl started. We'll be uh, talking about that. Uh, Throughout the next couple of weeks, on how you can how you can uh, uh, get to, to hear that or the guests that we've got on that. Well, my name is Tom Marquezel Presidente. We caught up with Tony Donahue from the Tony T Podcast yesterday, uh, and he and he did our 
our normal NBA segment. So right around the corner is Tony Donahue. And then after that, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, joins us. And, yes, we're going to be talking some more Super Bowl right here on the Balance Radio Network. sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is 
great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. What you talking about? 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 Right now, I just need you to get real loose, get comfortable, grab your loved ones, or grab your love partner, and if you're by yourself, no worries, just follow me. Gonna do the two-step, then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Don't throw down, take a sip with it. Now lean back, put your head in it. Let's have some fun. Uh. To the left, to the left now. To the right, to the right. Back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. Another Saturday morning as we get ready to see who's going to be in the Super Bowl. But joining us now is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, I appreciate you joining us uh, to tape our segment today. I know you're headed up to uh, Chicago for some uh, hockey action out there. But I know last week we talked, you were in headed to Green Bay and went to Green Bay. What a disappointing loss for the Green Bay Packers to the 49ers. Now the 49ers take on the uh, – uh, Rams, real quickly, what was the experience like there? I know it was kind of cold, but what a disappointing loss it was for Green Bay. Yeah, the game itself was actually rather entertaining, despite the fact that it was 13-10 to 10 when the Niners kind of made their run and they got that blocked punt that was right in front of us. The ball, like for lack of a better term, goes straight up the elevator shaft, and nobody really knew where it was, and then a couple bounces and a scoop and score. So um, it was a little bit cold, but the atmosphere was great. Uh, Lambo's one of a kind. Um, you know, I mean, I don't mind the Packers. It's, I, I saw a good game. It's kind of really how I was going for. I stayed pretty warm for the most part and uh, mm-hmm. definitely drank a few cold ones. But, uh, yeah, disappointing loss for the Packers. And now all the questions about where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. And a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of Colts fans would love to see him in a Colts jersey. Um, you know, then, the, then he drew the comparison. Kind of the Peyton Manning, you know, a guy who was with the franchise for so long and always fizzled out in the playoffs despite one Super Bowl ring. So we'll see if he goes that Peyton Manning route and goes to, Bron- to the Broncos, which has also been rumored that they just hired the Packers offensive coordinator. Uh, does he stay in Green Bay? Does he retire? There's still a lot of things left to be said. But uh, we should see some uh, two really good games tomorrow afternoon. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, what a game that was. Talking about the other game last week uh, with with the Bills and the Chiefs. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So really excited to see uh, what happens for the Colts. Uh, I kind of have my reservations about Aaron Rodgers being a Colt. I mean, let, let's face it, by all intents and uh, purposes, we're a scrappy startup team rebuilding. Again, here with the Colts, we saw uh, the Colts uh, no longer have Matt Eberflus going to the Bears, fired their defensive line. Of course, you got to look at the offense. There's a lot of things that's got to – Got to happen, but we'll we'll get into that as we get deeper into uh, the offseason. Well, let's get into our NBA talk. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, our, our official uh, NBA contributor, joins us today via tape uh, as 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 we were able to catch up with him on Friday afternoon. Uh, and, and so this is what we call in the business tape delay. Let's talk a little bit about the Pacers and the Pacers and the Hornets. I mean, what a freaking embarrassment that was. Uh, where they just collapsed. Uh, what what do we know as far as the Charlotte Hornets? They put up 158 points, a record game for the Charlotte Hornets, and it just a total destruction of the Indiana Pacers, and certainly a lot of well-deserved criticism coming their way. We'll talk about the trade here in a second. But what, uh, what happened there uh, with the collapse of the Pacers against the Hornets at home? Well, let a... Uh... A, a decent NBA player become an all-star and Kelly Oubre scoring 39 points. They just couldn't defend anything. And, you know, a lot of the things with the Pacers this year is been the excuse of injuries and they haven't had all their guys on the floor with Miles being hurt or Sabonis being hurt. Brogdon's always hurt. Warner has obviously, or TJ Warren has obviously missed the entire season. Um, but to give up 158, the most points in franchise history that you've given up and the most points Charlotte Hornets have ever scored. Um, that That's a good way to tank. But what I don't understand is, you finish your Western road swing winning two out of your last three games at the Lakers. And, um, you know, yeah, you lost to Phoenix on Sunday, but you, but you won at the Lakers and at Golden State on back-to-back nights with a bunch of guys that literally, as we talked about, are, are, are paying for their rent and paying for their child support because they don't know if they're going to be in the NBA next year. So I don't know what to think about the Pacers. Look, you, you're projected right now to be a top-five pick. You may as well go in that direction if you can trade Miles or Sabonis, the deadline, you do it. I don't want to see Sabonis go because he's an all-star year in and year out. Probably has three or four more good years left, but you've got to get some pieces back, some young core, maybe even some draft picks. But giving up 158 there tonight is, is an absolute embarrassment. Um, and, and, it, and it really kind of told the fan base at home that, like, look, hey, we're this, this, is, this is the direction we're going. We're, we're absolute dog crap. We're going to keep it that way. And, and hopefully we get lucky in the lottery and get a top, top one or top five pick. Well, you look at Miles Turner. He's just now coming back off of an injury. It looks like he's got a, a good report with the foot, so we'll see what he can do when he comes back. But there's not much time left to make that decision for a player like Miles Turner. Uh, it, it, you know, I also heard that the, the Pacers are seeking at least two first rounds for uh, LeVert, and, you know, he averages about 18.2 points a, a, a game with three-and-a-half rebounds or so. That's certainly another staple. We talk, have talked about on this show about the Pacers just – you know, totally gutting it, if you will, and, and just starting over from scratch. So those are two components to look at in the trade. In the trade, and you, and you looked at Sabonis. Those are three big players that you would think that we would be able to have uh, some good opportunities in the draft. Do you think all or just one of those three are going to be a part of a package, possibly with the Celtics uh, as well? Well, I mean, I think the, the, before even those players that you mentioned, it's the fact that they – they re-signed Malcolm Brogdon and he can't be traded for a year. That kind of really puts them in a bad position. He's a guy that, you know, 
you, you got to take a risk on free agents and trades. So hopefully somebody who is a decent player can come to Indiana and grow. We saw it with Victor Oladipo a little bit. We saw it with Paul George. The latest have been Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert. They both have shown that they can be a guy in the NBA that can be an all-star, but they've also shown that they're injured-prone and they're not superstar-ready. I think Karis LeVert is the guy you should keep. Um, I would love to keep the bonus. I think Miles has to be traded first, see what you can get back from that. Um, I would I would be up for some sort of trade, if possible, the 76ers. I know that people look at Ben Simmons as a headache, but, I mean, that's a guy that is still a playmaker. I mean, the dude misses one layup, and it kind of defined his career, but he's a great defender and a great facilitator. If you can get him and a guy like Matisse Seibel, who's a 3-and-D player out of the University of Washington in his third year that can maybe – develop and, and be your knockdown three-point shooter, which they kind of missed this year so far with Doug McDermott leaving for the Spurs, um, I would do that in a heartbeat. I mean, Miles is a rim protector, but how many of those blocks that he has leads to the ball hitting the ground and bouncing right back into the opponent's hands and getting a layup? So um, you got to look at plus-minus and not just much his his um, his block shots. I mean, he'll get in the game and, and, and score four points, and that's it, only get two or three rebounds. He's too inconsistent, and he's given up. 20, 20 rebounds a night to guys like um, Joel and B, who I think put up 20 on him one night. And uh, there's just the big guys that just eat his lunch. So I think Miles has to be uh, number one on the trade on the trade list to get him out of town. So we're coming up on the all-star break. This is certainly the one time where a lot of teams step back and take a break and evaluate. If you're the Pacers uh, this year, you're coming up on the all-star break, what are you doing during the all-star break outside of maybe going to the beach? I mean, really, what are the Pacers doing in the all-star break to to do anything better on the other side of it? I mean, you just hope that it's a chance that these guys can reset and maybe get a little bit healthier than what they are. You know, Warren's been playing some one-on-one. He's the guy who came on strong in the bubble a year and a half ago and played really good basketball. Um, you know, just get healthy and rest up. I think the bonus will probably uh, be an all-star. If not, he'll certainly be there to um, defend his skills competition championship from last year. Um, it's just it's just, it's just, just a difficult year for the Pacers. And, and you know, I, I can be cool with tanking and, and losing games and, and, and having 11 guys out there and, you know, you got to watch Goga Batase and Dwayne Washington and guys that shouldn't even be in the league. But what I struggle with is, is the owner coming out two months ago and saying that he likes this little team. just kind of shows you, just like his malls, that, you know, things are just kind of going south, uh, which is unfortunate. But, but hopefully they can get the things reset. And, and I would like to hear from Rick Carlisle. You know, how does he feel? He comes mm-hmm. here um, after a long set in Dallas. He won a championship. He was coaching a superstar, Luka Doncic, which obviously there was not a good relationship there because you're not going to leave because of Luca, I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime player to coach, um, in my opinion, maybe not others, but uh, we'll see how long you want to keep him for. You're paying another coaching staff, and Nate Bjorkren, who uh, obviously was only here for one year. You thought you were going to get that offensive guru coming down from Toronto, and that was that was obviously uh, a big mistake. So um, they made some mistakes, but I will give Kevin Pritchard a little bit of credit. Um, what he deserves, he's been able to make trades. He's been able to make trades in dire situations, and and, and, and kind of, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken scratch. So if he can do that again and maybe get some moves and get some pieces and get some players back or some, some, some major draft picks, I think, I think that'll, uh, that'll cement that he's doing a decent job. But, um, you know, the Pacers, it's not a market that players want to go to. So you have to take risks on players that have an injured background or players that are young that haven't made that 
next move in the right direction. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But that's the risk that a franchise in a landlocked state that really doesn't have much besides cheap living. Um, I love Indianapolis, but you know, if you're from Miami or you got a chance to go make money in in L.A. or Phoenix, you're probably going to do that over Indiana. So um, it just it kind of is what it is, and it comes to the territory. Yeah, that's very, very true. You know, we're talking about Kevin Pritchard. I think we're pretty much safe in saying he's not on the hot seat at the moment. Is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't say no. Um, I mean, you know, they like him there. He's done some good things, and he's probably got a year or two left, but um, it's also a market of, like, who do you go get? Who can you trust? The Pacers are a very loyal franchise. Um, they hang on to coaches and, and, and GMs and guys a little bit too long to Good. So um, we'll see what we have to do, but I think they'll be there for at least the next two seasons. We're talking to Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, appreciate you joining us on a Friday afternoon so we can get your segment in on Saturday and doing this tape uh, uh, delay with us. I really do uh, appreciate it. As we stand now on a Friday afternoon, let's talk a little bit about uh, the power rankings. And the Cavaliers are certainly doing that part, their part in moving up. But there again, we're seeing the Wizards, you know, move down. I think they moved down like nine spaces, and the Cavaliers moved down four spaces. And the Cavaliers just keep on rolling. I think they're up to number two in the power rankings, just behind the, the Phoenix Sun. Is there a silver bullet? Is there something in the water there uh, with the Cavaliers? Because we know it ain't LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Cavs, and there's there's a there's a good group of teams that, um, you know are young and up and coming. The Grizzlies are in that mix. The Cavaliers are in that mix. I would say the Hornets are in that mix as well. Um, they've just been playing well. They've, they've had some injuries, but, but there just doesn't seem like to be a lot of egos on that team. And, and you're, you're kind of led by a guy in Kevin Love who's on the back end of his career. And sometimes when you have that player in your locker room where you know it's coming to an end, yet you still want to play hard for him, still brings out the best in you. Uh, I think that's kind of Kevin Love being – uh, Kevin Love. I mean, he's, he's always been a good player. You've never heard anything bad about him um, in the locker room or causing controversy or being a guy that people don't want to play with. Um, obviously, he got his ring with playing, um, you know, with LeBron James coming there, and, and, and he's still been there. But, um, you know, the Cavaliers are a good team that, that can make some noise in the playoffs. Do I think they're a championship-caliber team? No, but am I awfully impressed by their 30-19 and 19 record? Um, absolutely, and, and, and they've got a lot of good pieces. As I mentioned, you know, Laurie Marketing comes over from the Bulls. He's played really well for them. Um, you get Jared Allen in that trade. He's a rebounding machine. Mobley and Garland. Mobley is a great pickup. Um, Kevin Love off the bench. So uh, they've got a lot of guys that have a lot to prove, and, and, and I, like, I like to see it so far. Talk about the uh, Warriors getting an embarrassing loss to the Pacers. Uh, you're talking about a depleted Pacers team. Steph Curry uh, saved the Warriors from a similar embarrassment the, the next night. Uh, but we, we t- I've talked about Steph Curry and certainly what a beast he is. And we, we have been talking for the longest time about the Warriors being in that championship mix. That talk has kind of calmed down. Do you think that that loss to the Pacers was as much of an impact momentum as it was to Ego? I mean, do you, I mean, because to be honest, we I haven't been hearing a lot of talk in the national media about Steph Curry and the Warriors uh, getting a national championship here recently over the last few days. Well, I watched the Warriors last night, and you know when Draymond Green gets healthy, he just brings a different dynamic that you don't see. Andrew Wiggins is an All Star starter; he's kind of resurrected his career. Um, and then you've got Clay Thompson 
finally healthy, kind of getting his feet underneath him. I think he was five of nine from the three-point line last night. Uh, and Steph's the greatest shooter in the league, maybe the greatest shooter of all time. So I think it's a team that can certainly push it. Um, they've got some big guys in Looney and James Wiseman who give you good minutes and get rebound for you. Jordan Poole's been scoring 12 points a night. He's really stepped up as well. So um, maybe they're a piece away that we'll see what kind of movement they have at the deadline. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's Warriors, Jazz, and Suns right now in the West. Uh, we'll see what moves the Lakers make, or maybe they can talk some people out. But uh, right now, I don't think the Lakers are really all that close. LeBron's been banged up. Russell uh, Russell Westbrook seems to be a thorn in everybody's side uh, inside of that locker room. So I like uh, a lot, a great deal, what I've seen so far out of the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about, you know, we talk about the Pacers, that, you know, uh, misery loves company, if you will. We talk about the Orlando Magic again, right down there at the bottom as well. As we could say, it could be worse. It could be the Orlando Magic. Orlando's got to do something in the, in the, in the draft, obviously, and in something in, in the, uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, I mean, are they one, are they ones to say, hey, uh, we're just going to clean house? With, with the Orlando Magic, you would think that they're to the point where they're just going to gut it all and start all over. But you kind of got teams like the War or the the Magic, the Pacers, you can go in there. The Thunder, the Pelicans are all going to be in the mix to see who gets uh, a better draft pick in that top five or in the lottery. Um, the Magic has a good piece. You know, go, or, they've got a couple guys that have been playing really well. Uh, but but they kind of shipped everybody off last year. So the Magic are about two or three years away. Uh, same with the Thunder, who obviously are recovering from losing their big stars. The Rockets are still uh, recovering from losing James Harden. Um, so you got some teams like that that are in a rebuild mode. Well, we'll certainly uh, see what happens. Talk with Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast. Tony, appreciate you joining us on a on a Friday afternoon. A couple uh, things I just wanted to talk with you about. First of all, are you going to have your eyes on the Rolex Twenty Four this uh, this weekend? Yeah, it should be some fun racing. Um, the weather down there hasn't really cooperated. It's been raining, and I think we even saw some snow down in Florida uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. It was cool. Robert Wickens get out there in the Pirelli Challenge race. Um, first time we've seen him in a race car since. The injuries that he suffered back in 2017 at Pocono um, should be a good race. You got a lot of you got a lot of Indy car feel, um, a lot of drivers that that, that used to run Indy cars. So um, there's a lot to watch. I mean, I only got to watch all 24 hours, but I'll certainly watch the first hour, half hour. You know, that's kind of how I am. Every every year I say I've got some good intent. I'll give it the old college try, and then the old man kicks in about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and then. Of course, I got to get up in the morning to do the show, but uh, you know it's always fun to watch uh, the Rolex uh, 24 as well. Let's talk. I'll put our Homer cap back on here real quickly as we go into the championship weekend. We saw last. Uh, we saw just a, a total demise of the Colts. So they're they're done. Stick of work at them. They're done. Like you said, you had, weren't a big fan of Wentz. He he wasn't able to get it done at the end. We saw Everflus leave on his own, but probably the writing was on the wall. Like he said, he probably should have been fired after Jacksonville anyway. And certainly he was one of the finalists for Jacksonville, took the job uh, with the Bears. They fired the defensive line coach. So you, you would think by reading the, to the tea leaves, they're looking to make some big drastic uh, defense changes, which is good, but is that – 
where they need to stop at? Should they also be making some uh, major adjustments on the offensive line? I'm not necessarily saying fire Frank Reich. I haven't got on that train yet. But we do have to figure out something to do with Carson Wentz. And I don't know what that something is at this point. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they certainly, they, they've made some strides over there on uh, West 56th Street this week. But I don't think it's anywhere close to enough. You know, the Colts, just, they've got a lot to work on. You've got to get some offensive line help. You've got to get some wide receivers. you got to, first and foremost, figure out if Carson Wentz is your guy. And it's, it may not be a decision of whether Carson Wentz is your guy. It may be a decision of, okay, who else is there out there that's better? I mean, if you start looking at backups, I mean, it was Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. I mean, these guys aren't guys that you're going to bring in. I don't think over Carson Wentz. Do you roll the dice on Deshaun Watson? I don't think the Colts are a franchise that's going to be willing to do that. Um, so we'll see, but there's just so many, there's more questions in this off season than answers. And you're kind of left picking up the pieces after losing to Jacksonville. Yeah. Ebert Blues is gone. I mean, good luck in Chicago, um, as a defensive city. So maybe he'll be able to thrive there as a defensive coordinator, uh, becoming a head coach. But, uh, there's just so much that the Colts got to do. There's only, there's literally only like one or two spots that you can say that you are firm with, and that's probably Kenny Moore and Jonathan Taylor, so a lot for the Colts to work through over the offseason. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. I know you're headed up to Chicago. I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday afternoon to talk with us. What are you guys working on over there at the Tony uh, D Podcast? Yep, just check us out on Twitter, and uh, we'll have some big racing news coming up next week. Thanks, Tony. You have yourself a a good week. Where can people find your work and, and masterpieces, sir? At Sony DND on Twitter. We'll see you, Tom. All right. Thank you, Tony. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us today uh, to talk about the NBA, what's going on with the NBA, the trade, the Pacers, uh, and certainly as we come up to the All-Star break. And, you know, a little homer card with us. Uh, with the, the Colts, I know he's headed up to uh, Chicago as, as well. Uh, th- thanks uh, for joining us. This was a tape delay uh, portion, so we're going to get back to the live segment here in a minute. Standing by Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, our official uh, NFL.com and our official uh, NFL contributor joins us to break down. Well, we're going to find out this weekend who's in the Super Bowl. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
with over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're hitting my eyes. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian, like, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they, Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Back then, I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Okay, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billy, Billy. My Billy. Billy, where are you, Billy? So I need to talk to you regarding money. I stomped on all the fun chunks. My grief has a scent, like suffering. A rusty navel? How to get rusty? Look at this bug! It's an honor to meet you, my lord. 
Yes, it's a miracle! Winkle, winkle, wink, whittle goes, and kiss a pickle as you haunt your tree. I'm crying on the inside. I intensely stole carpet. I tell you, there's a Bigfoot on your shed. It itches right where the end is. How would you describe yourself? Hot. Uh, 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 you're hot. What's up, Hey, I'm going to talk on the field. Okay, what about? Mm. Go slow. My name's Tom Mark Westdale, President K. Wow, we're about three quarters uh, through <laughs> the show. Thank you to Steve Wilson, editor in chief uh, of Speedway Digest, calling us from down in Florida for the Rolex uh, 24 and the weather down there is not delightful, at least for uh, Florida weather. And uh, Tony Donahue, I caught up with him yesterday uh, via tape to tape our uh, NBA segment, talked a little bit uh, on our homework card with uh, the Pacers and what's going on with them. Certainly looks like they're at the bottom of the of the feeding chain, if you will, the bottom of the food chain, and it doesn't look like anything is going to turn around anytime soon uh, for the Pacers, but we'll we'll see what happens. And then you know, we're getting ready to be talking to Ed Kratz, Pete Ryder for the Philadelphia Eagles. Make sure that you have your Black Rifle coffee going. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really good coffee. I I got I cannot start the show uh, without. I think I'm drinking <coughs> Freedom Fuel. I think. Not totally sure. It changes around on me all the time. But the good thing about Black Rifle coffee, seriously, when you buy a bag, you give a bag. Uh, you know, I've got a friend in the Navy who's uh, uh, deployed, and all they serve on the ship is Black Rifle uh, coffee. So when you buy a bag, give a bag. Check it out, BlackRifle.com. They've got all kinds of great stuff to help the troops and the first responders, and they've got a really good foundation that they have set up to help uh, veterans as they ease their way uh, back into uh, society. So we're standing by for it, and here he is, you know. They speak of the devil, but he's he's far from the devil. He is he is our God. Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> and SI.com. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good, Tom. That's funny. Good introduction there. <laughs> hey, man. I was going to try to come up with something new and unique uh, for you. Ed Kratz, I appreciate you joining us. Let's jump right into this. This is champion, uh, a divisional championship weekend. This weekend, we're going to decide who's going to be uh, in the Super Bowl. We're going to break down those games here in just a minute. But you guys are in the offseason with the Eagles, so let's just uh, uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that are that are going on uh, with the Eagles, some of the uh, 
rumors, if you will. So we'll, we'll start with the same rumors that everybody has uh, with the Eagles uh, uh, quarterback and our quarterback situation and so forth. Uh, you got a lot of first rounds to, to deal with. You got them from here with the Colts. Everybody's talking about Russell Wilson. Everybody's talking about how they can get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers wearing their uniform. The Eagles are no different. And certainly there's more talk about Russell Wilson coming to the Eagles than there is Aaron Rodgers. How much of that is smoke and how much of that is mirrors, sir? Well, you know, the Eagles tried to kind of nip this all in the bud when Howie Roseman, their general manager, came out. I guess it was a few days after the season ended with that playoff loss in Tampa that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for 2022. So a lot of this talk of Wilson or Rodgers or whoever is, I think, just kind of being beaten beaten like a drum by the national media. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Howie was genuine when he said that you know, they have three first-round picks. One of them is the Colts uh, in that Carson Wentz deal. The other belongs to Miami, the Dolphins, who they got when they decided to trade back from number six to number 12 in last year's draft. Miami somehow figured it was worth giving up their first-round pick to do it. I don't know why, but um, you know, here we are, three first-round picks. And, you know, this team has some holes on, you know, but mostly defense. But, you know, you could always use more playmakers for Hurts because I think he will be the guy. I don't I don't see them giving up two first-round picks for Russell Wilson, a guy that's kind of in the back quarter of his career at age 33 or 34, someone who's going to blow up your salary cap to the point where you won't be able to fix some of these holes. And, you know, I think the Eagles are committed to kind of an an infusion of young talent. Uh, And that's what these three first round picks and they have 10 picks in the draft and they had 10 picks last year. And last year was another, it was a good class. If they get another class like that, where you bring in a Devontae Smith and a Landon Dickerson and Milton Williams and Kenny Gainwell, uh, if you have that kind of productive draft, then, you know, they're going to be on target. I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl next year. I'm not sure Hurts is the answer, to be honest. I have some long-term questions about him. But I think they're committed to getting him in through another year and then reassessing then, uh, at which point they will have kind of infused this roster with some young talent that will be developing, and then they'll have to address their quarterback situation in 23. But I I really think Hurts is going to be the guy – in 22. So let's talk a little bit about some of those defensive uh, problems that you may have. And, and you know, I, I, there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I, I feel like you're going to, you're going to uh, have that scenario with Steve, Steven Nelson. He wants a big paycheck. Eagles don't want to do it. The logical thing that's going to happen is, I know, I think he just had a birthday. I saw on Twitter, probably his last birthday in Philadelphia. He wants a payday, but, He's also a, a, a pretty solid uh, position that if you get rid of him, you got to figure out how to fill that hole. Steven Nelson, should the Eagles stay with him? Well, I mean, I, listen, he, uh, he wanted a big paycheck last year, too, when he left the Steelers, and nobody wanted to give it to him. And that's why, you know, he waited till you know, training camps had opened, and the Eagles gave him a one-year deal. And you know, to me, I like Stephen Nelson a lot. I, you know, he's he's above average. Uh, he's terrific on the other side from Darius Slay, who had a Pro Bowl season. Um, but uh, I, I think the Eagles will draft a cornerback in that first round with one of those picks, and I think they'll probably uh, line him up to start, uh, whoever that may be. You know, there's a bunch of good ones in the draft, and I think the Eagles are going to find one, and that's going to be their starter. But, yeah, I like Steve Nelson a lot. I, You know, good luck to him 
wherever he lands, if he doesn't get another big contract like he didn't last year. And I don't know why he doesn't, to be honest. I mean, this is a guy that's been in the league for seven years now, and in six of those years he's been to the playoffs. He's been there with the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Chiefs, who originally drafted him. So I don't know what the hesitation is on giving this guy, you know, a three-year, I don't know, $18 million deal, something like that. I don't know if he'd take that. I'm sure he would. He's 29 now. Um, but I, I just, it's not going to be with the Eagles. Uh, I think they're going to move on, and they're going to find their answer to that cornerback spot in the draft. Well, you know, and here, here's the thing. I didn't go all nerd and, and, and compare all the numbers. But one of the things that I've heard said, especially when it comes to the Colts, when we talk about salary caps, is your position is only worth so much money. And if you value yourself outside of your position, you no longer have worth to the team. And so you could be a great player, but if you think that you're worth more than any other cornerback in the NFL or to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, you're going to have to sell me something better than that. I have, Like I said, I haven't gotten all nerd on that, but has he done that for the Eagles? No, I don't think there really has been an asking price. I'm sure him and his agent are talking to the Eagles and they're probably talking to some other teams too. But now listen, he's not, you know, Byron Jones got a big payday when he left the Cowboys to go to Miami. Xavier uh, Howard in Miami got a huge contract. I mean, cornerbacks get paid. Uh, Darius Slay has a big contract for the Eagles. I just don't see them going, uh, you know, two massive contracts at the same position when, when you could probably find a rookie. And you have other guys. You drafted a rookie last year or a guy last year who was a rookie this year, Zach McPherson. Uh, who came in the fourth round, and, you know, he got some time on defense, played a lot of special teams. I mean, maybe he's the guy because now it'll be his second year. But, uh, you know, here, here's the thing with the Eagles, too, is they're, they have a real issue at the safety position. So, you know, that could factor into their conversations with Nelson. They're probably going to lose. I mean, they're on track to lose two veteran safeties, and Anthony Harris, who they signed to a one-year free agent deal last year, that's up, and Rodney McLeod, who – has been a great veteran leader, was one of the guys that helped win the Super Bowl here in 2017. He came in 2016 from the Rams. Uh, terrific guy. But, you know, he's 32. He's had two ACL injuries. Harris is 31. He's got a better injury history, so maybe they bring him back. But, listen, it's hard to replace two safeties and find a cornerback. So that whole back end – uh, is going to need to be replenished and addressed. And I suspect that they'll probably sign somebody in free agency at that safety spot. There's some pretty decent names out there, and they did it when they brought Malcolm Jenkins here from the Saints, uh, gave him a pretty good contract. And, you know, he was a linchpin in winning a Super Bowl in 2017. So I think they're going to find an answer in the free agent market and in the draft to address that safety spot. And maybe they make an offer to Harris or McLeod you know, on a one-year deal if they'll do it and bring them back because it's hard to lose two veterans back there. But uh, they have issues there. And then you top it all off, Tom, your, your defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, is in Houston today for a second interview with the Texans for the head coaching job. So you may lose your defensive coordinator too. So, you know, the wheels are really spinning in Philadelphia and in other cities as the offseason kind of picks up steam here as we get ready to head into February. Absolutely, and here, here's the thing, and, and the media is always going to jump over all over different players uh, and when it comes to, uh, you know, the offseason, especially when you have a disappointing playoff loss like you guys did against Tampa. That situation also happened, talking about the defensive uh, line, the 
defensive tackle Fletcher Cox was asked the question, you know, will he, you know, he's wrapping up his 10th season. Will, will he be around for the 11th? Has, and I guess he got kind of touchy with the press and he may have been, you may have been there for that press conference where he said, yeah, you know, Hey, I, I made it very clear. I'm happy where I'm at right now. Fletcher Cox, we stay there unless, you know, they decide to trade him or something. I don't see that happening. But when you see that passion, is that more for the camera or is that more for them? I guess is the better is 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 that a reality statement? That I've made it very clear. I'm here happy here right now. But that's the same answer that every player gets that asks that same question for the most part. Yeah, I just I, I just think they want to shut it down before people come you know with another five questions about his situation. So <laughs> you know he he shut it down quickly and that was that. You know he's happy. But listen, the Eagles tried to trade him at the trade deadline. They were they were pretty close to a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but the, Steel, they, the, the Steelers wouldn't come up. I believe they offered a third-round pick for Fletcher Cox and uh, Howie's holding out for more. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some phone calls made to try to trade Cox. I don't know if they'll, uh, you know, lower their demands for return on Fletcher. I mean, he's really a big salary cap hit. Uh, you know, he is entering his 11th season. Didn't, uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of uh, – you know, wearing down a little bit, maybe. I mean, he's not obviously the same player as he was five years ago. Uh, and then you look at Aaron Donald, you know, who we're going to watch on Sunday with the Rams. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's only a year younger than Cox, and that dude's still playing at a really high level. Uh, so, you know, so Cox, you know, he – I'm not sure he's at the top of his game like he once was. I don't know what you can get for him, but I I really think the Eagles are going to try to trade him in the offseason. They're going to make some calls along those lines and see what they can get. And if they get something they like, I think they're going to trade him. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll talk a little bit about the leadership team real quickly with the Eagles. Before we move on to some of these other uh, offseason talks, uh, what we've learned here recently, the Packers are to interview the uh, Eagles uh, quarterback coach, Brian Johnson, for the vacant uh, offensive coordinator job. Uh, what do you think about that? Is there more smoke than mirrors there? No, I think Brian Johnson's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think Brian Johnson's a legitimate candidate. Uh, you know, he was an offensive coordinator at the University of Florida when you know Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony and uh, you know some of those guys were were there just two years ago. And the Eagles brought him in to be the quarterback coach. He has a great history with Jalen Hurts uh, from when Jalen Hurts was five or six years old. Brian Johnson knows Jalen's father well. He. he spent a lot of time around Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think he was really good for Jalen Hurts. But, you know, Brian Johnson's a riser in this league, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets an offensive coordinator's position. Um, he's too good to be a quarterback. So I'll say that. He did a great job at the University of Florida. He's only 31 or 32 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. Um, I think that'd be a great move for the Packers to hire him, uh, you know, and uh, – you know, we're seeing maybe Kevin Petullo's name being bandied about. He was the Eagles' passing game coordinator this past season. He's been mentioned as a possible offensive coordinator on Matt Eberflus's staff, uh, you know, because of the history they have together uh, from their time in Indianapolis. Petullo, of course, was in Indianapolis when Sirianni was there. So, you know, some of these names with the Eagles are being mentioned and let's face it, there's a lot of new head coaches coming into the league, and they're going to need staff. And, you know, you look around the league to see who some of the winning teams are. And the Eagles, you know, they had a winning season. They're, you know, above-average team. Playoffs, very surprising run to the playoffs. Um, 
they've got some guys that are going to be looked at, and it wouldn't be surprising to see some of them uh, possibly move on. Petula, Johnson, and Gannon are, are three big ones. Well, you know, also, when you're in on, on the front office, if you will, you look at, hey, what's my next step? And, you know, Ian Cunningham, your personnel director, is being yeah. looked at very heavily by the Bears to be the right-hand man, general manager, Ryan Poles. And, you know, that obviously is an audition to be a general manager sometimes. So does uh, Ian Cunningham uh, move on over to the Bears, you think? Well, I, you know, the Eagles lost Andrew Berry to the Cleveland Browns, and, you know, the Browns really kind of took off in the two years Berry's been there. I think it's been two years now, maybe three, but he was with the Eagles. Uh, and Cleveland did a good job hiring this guy who really not many people knew much about, and it's the same with Ian Cunningham. Uh, he's got a good uh, a good history with Ryan Poles, their new per, uh, GM there in, in Chicago, and uh, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Catherine Raich, uh, a woman in the Eagles uh, front mm-hmm. office, was interviewed for the GM job with the Vikings. She didn't get it, but uh, you know, there there's some you know some people in the Eagles organization that other teams seem to want, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the Eagles have been in the playoffs, you know, four out of the last five years. Um, you know, they're a winning organization. They've done very well, uh, you know, for the past decade. So, yeah, other teams are going to come sniffing around to see what you have and why you've been so successful in that time. All right, so I've saved the elephant in the room, the Eagles elephant in the room. We know Sean Payton, uh, air quotes, retired. I don't know if he retired or fired, but either which way. What a great success that Sean Payton had with the Saints. Certainly, you, you, you look at Doug Peterson, Super Bowl champion, uh, in the history of the United States, only 30 uh, of the football, I'm sorry, only 34 people have accomplished the, some of the feats that Doug Peterson's have with, uh, with only seven active coaches featuring the game's biggest win on their resume. Sean Payton gone, Doug Peterson, the new head coach of the Saints. What say you about that? <laughs> I, I, well, that would be a surprise. For some reason, you know, Peterson was getting – some, you know, some juice early in the interview process. And we haven't heard a whole lot late. I, I think the Saints might stay in-house with Dennis Allen. Um, I know they're interested in Byron Leftwich. I don't know what the Jaguars are doing. They're just letting candidates, you know, come and go. And they, they had the first opening, really. They fired Urban Meyer in week 11 or 12. So they had a head start on this thing. And, you know, here we are, almost February, and they still haven't done anything with their job. With the job. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't, Peterson, I, I'm not sure. Listen, there has been no other coach in the NFL who's won a Super Bowl with two different franchises, right? And, you know, that would be my hesitation right off the bat in hiring a head coach is can you win a second Super Bowl in, a, in another city? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure Doug can do that. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of guys, I mean, guys have tried. Mike McCarthy's trying to do it in Dallas. You know, he won it in Green Bay with Rodgers and. Trying to do it with Cowboys with Dak Prescott. Uh, had a good opportunity to slip through his fingers this past playoff season, but that's another story. Uh, as far as Doug goes, I'm, I'm not sure why there's not a lot more juice for Doug. I mean, he's, like you said, I mean, he had a successful run in Philadelphia. He won a Super Bowl, first ever to do it as a head coach in Philadelphia. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a quarterback type of a coach, so the Saints need a quarterback. They're probably going to have to draft one. I don't see Tyson Hill or I think Jameis Winston's a free agent so you know they need somebody that they can hire to work with their quarterback and Doug is good at that but I don't think he's going to get a job in this cycle his name is kind of Peterson Dowd if you will Peterson (laughs) Uh, oh Peterson Dowd I love it 
<laughs> yeah, so. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com joins us. Let's go ahead and get into some of these other teams real quickly. Uh, obviously, some news come out here at home here in Indianapolis. Uh, Matt Eberflus is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, they fired the defensive line coach, uh, which ironically enough is might go to Jackson. I mean Jacksonville's defensive coach. There's a lot of uh, a lot of talks going on, uh, but Eberflus to the Bears. I, I thought interesting. I, I was talking with Kent Sterling who filled in for you last week from KentSterling.com, and he was telling me that you know it's just that a, a quote was made in social media that basically Carson Wentz is a recycled water bottle from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, trash bin. Now. That same recycled water bottle is in our trash bin, and and in, 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 in what do we do with that? But we also talked about Matt Eberflus, and I said I think that would be a, a great for him to stay here. He said there's no way Matt Eberflus stays with the Colts just because there's too much buzz around him, and they they, they need to just kind of you know clean house. They didn't really clean house on the offense line, at least what we've done so far. So what are your thoughts about what the the Colts moves have made? I do want to talk a little bit about Carson Wentz, but the biggest story this week is that Matt Eberflus left the Colts. I think he was going to be fired anyway. Probably should have been fired after the the Jacksonville game, but that's neither here nor there. That's all thematic. Uh, he's now the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Good news for the Bears, bad news for the Colts. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I've always thought that an offensive-minded coach is the way to go in the NFL. I'm not sure why the Bears would go for a defensive coach when you have because they're a defensive field, city. The guy, uh, yeah, I, they're I a know, defensive so city Philadelphia. like Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia is, but we've never hired a defensive coach. So I mean, you know, yeah, it's you know Philadelphia loves its defense. They've had some great defenses here, but it's never been because the head coach was a defensive guy. It's been uh, you know people they've hired to run the defense. Now maybe the Eberflus will make a good decision for his offensive coordinator, bring in a quarterback type because, you know, Fields has talent and, you know, it just wasn't used properly or developed properly, I don't think, last year. And that was kind of a surprise. I thought they'd go for a more of an offensive-minded coach, which, you know, uh, Eberflus obviously isn't. So I don't know who he's going to bring on board uh, for that post. You know, he's been in the league for quite a while, so I'm sure he has enough contacts to find somebody. But um, again, I probably would have brought in an offensive-minded head coach, brought in a, an offensive-minded coordinator, obviously, a good quarterback coach, um, and, and what's developed Justin Fields. He's our guy. You know, we drafted him in the first round last year. We traded up to get him. What's, what's developed him now? Um, you know, kind of like what the Broncos did, hiring Nathaniel Hackett, uh, and, you know, offensive coordinator for the Packers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver now. Um, but, you know, they don't really have a quarterback in Denver. I suspect they're going to draft one, and they're going to try to use Hackett and whoever he brings in to develop him. I mean, that, to me, is a smart way to do things. We saw it with the Eagles, you know, with Doug Peterson being hired. Then they drafted Carson Wentz, and they tried to develop Carson Wentz. And Wentz had a terrific 2017 season, got the Eagles to the number one seed before he got hurt. Um but, you know, to me, that's the way you run an organization, uh, you know, and listen, it doesn't, I'm not a GM. Uh, I only play one here on the radio, but, uh, you know, to me, <laughs> you, 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 have, you have to bring in an offensive guy and, you know, uh, 
They didn't do that. So now you got to fill that hole in Indy. You know, Frank Reich has to go find himself a defensive coordinator. Uh, where will he turn? I, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And, and you know, with the defensive line coach, the, the deep, uh, Brian Baker, I watched some of that right. hard knocks on HBO right. uh, in season. And, uh, he, you know, they focused a lot on him and I think his daughters, right, the, the Baker girls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so you kind of had to – you know, I don't know a lot of defensive line coaches in the NFL outside of Philly, but I, I kind of got to know Baker and his daughters. And it, you know, it was a good story. I liked it. And now yeah, he's was, gone, and who knows where he'll land. I was kind of surprised, but, you know, it, it's it's kind of one of those fall guy positions. That, you know, we, you got to go you got to go somewhere. You know, well, defensive coordinator says, well, hey, I put it all on the defensive line coach. You know, it's the, all the passing of the bucket. Someplace – they just say, hey, well, you're the sacrificial goat. That may have been what happened with him. I don't know. But I am curious to see what happens with him. Big elephant in the room. Obviously, everybody talking. Now we're back on the anti-Carson Wentz bandwagon here, as I just mentioned. Uh, some of the things that have been talked about in local media here, that, that Carson Wentz is, is a recycled water bottle in the, the uh, Colts trash bin now instead of Philadelphia's trash bin. Here's the thing, some really key things. A lot of people are, are just – because we're, we look for things to latch on. But there might be some so, something to latch on here too. I know what people are saying, but I'm just going to wait on it until I hear that formal announcement. Obviously, it's all but imminent that uh, Tom Brady retires. That's fine. The world will be a better place, and he'll have a – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll stop. I, I don't I don't hate Tom Brady. I, you know, obviously I'm probably jealous that we we weren't able to have him spend his entire career here in Indianapolis. But that's neither here nor there. Of course, we have Peyton Man. We could run the the what if scenarios. But here's the thing: there's that opening that they, they, then okay, well Frank Ballard and and uh, Jim Mercey make a call to uh, uh, Tampa Bay and say, hey, we're willing to make a trade for the one six five guy. The other all but Again, we don't know, but it looks like Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. We don't know if it's for retirement yet or if it's for another team. A lot of people would like to see Aaron Rodgers in a Colts uniform. Many teams would like to see Aaron Rodgers in their uniform, i.e. the Eagles and and a lot of other teams. The Broncos, as an example, would like to see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But if Aaron Rodgers leaves, there again, there's an, another team that they've got to be calling and saying, hey, we've got a 6'5 quarter, quarterback that we'll do some trading for. Again, the the uh, Colts have to address this uh, quarterback situation. I hate to throw everything at Carson Wentz's feet because our losses did not weren't all at Carson's fault. But had we started earlier better, had, it, had our season started better, Carson didn't, wouldn't have had to play catch-up. But at the end of the day, the very last game, which what everybody remembers, Drew, when you when you when you finish like the Colts finished, is the quarterback. And everybody had issues with Carson Wentz, so it's so easy to say everything is Carson Wentz's fault. Let's get rid of Carson Wentz. Should the Colts keep Carson Wentz or, or throw him out there as trade bait? There's an old saying that says fish or cut bait. What are the Colts going to do with Carson Wentz? Fish or cut bait? Well, what what has Frank Reich said that they have to get better play from the quarterback? Jim Irsay said they have to get better play from the quarterback. So to me, it looks like they're going to try to get better play from the quarterback, and that to me means moving on from Carson Wentz. Um, it's easier said than done, though. I mean, he's got the big contract that Philadelphia gave him. Um, 
and the Eagles, by the way, thank you very much for the first round pick for, for trading Carson Wentz. Um, but well, now you can trade you it know, off. Now you can trade it off to fill some of those spots. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's that's what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to use them as best they can to, to build this team and keep them on track as an ascending team after a playoff run this year. But as far as Carson goes, I mean, the best thing that could happen is Tom Brady retiring. Then maybe you send him to Tampa. You know, you there, there are quarterback needy teams out there. But listen, Carson Wentz has this track record now, and it's going to be harder and harder to trade him as, you know, the Eagles didn't have a lot of suitors for Carson Wentz until the Colts stepped in. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thought was Frank Wright could rehab him. And listen, he did a good job with him, but, you know, Carson Wentz, I think is what he is. I mean, I don't know how you can look at him and say, how can he be the quarterback in 2017 again? I just think that ship has sailed for Carson Wentz and, you know, there's been some speculation that maybe he'll do an Andrew Luck and retire. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but to me, I think the Colts need to move on, and I think they've kind of expressed a desire to do that. Um, and maybe Tampa if Brady retires. And, and Tom, look, it's okay to hate Tom Brady. You know, I have a Tom Brady, I have a Tom Brady hate anonymous club. You're willing to join. Uh, and it's funny when I was in Tampa for the game to cover the Eagles and Bucks in the playoffs. I was at the checkout line at the Hertz rental car, and I got up to the counter, and we were talking about it. And the guy working there said, "You know, I hated Tom Brady when he played in New England. I couldn't stand him. But now that he's in Tampa, he goes, I love the guy." <laughs> you know, that <laughs> that's just right. shows you. It's all relative. You know, you're rooting, you're rooting for the laundry, really. You know, I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. So. Uh, it was just funny. So it's okay. You know, you, you know, there are plenty of people in this club, you know, these hate Tom Brady anonymous clubs. So it's okay. (laughs) Well, whatever happens with Carson Wentz, he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank, whether he's uh, going to another team, he's getting paid or if he retires, he's getting paid. So him and his family are going to be very well taken care of. They're not going to be in the soup line anytime soon. Uh, So I think I'll, you know what, in, in all reality, he might be a very, very good commentator. Uh, on one of the networks, you know, and we might see him around the games uh, in the, in the booths doing the thing. We're getting ready to go into the balance overtime, uh, and we want to talk about these teams left. Uh, obviously, didn't want to dominate the entire conversation here because we've got a lot to talk about. But we had an exciting – I tell you what, it doesn't matter who was playing last weekend, insert name. When you have the kind of games that we saw last weekend – especially with the Bills and the Chiefs. I want to talk to you about that real quick here. The Chiefs-Bills end in an overtime situation. Very, very crazy set of rules with overtime. And I, I would hope the NFL t- takes a second look at this because this this was almost – if the rules were a little bit different or maybe adjusted a little bit different, it, it, the way that I understand the rules is it, it, in overtime when you flip the coin, whoever is the position uh, – person who gets first possession, if they score, it's an automatic win. That's exactly what happened with the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat, beat the Bills. But the beats, Bills beat themselves. They had that game the whole game straight. It doesn't get any better than that. Let's talk about, let's review that Bills-Chiefs game, how it ended. Were you a little bit shocked in all? And do you think that changing the overtime rules at all would have changed the outcome of that game? Uh, yeah, it's it, the rule is if you score a touchdown in overtime, right. the game ends. If Sorry. you kick a field goal, the other team gets a shot with the ball. Um, no, I listen. They made this rule 
for player safety, you know, and, you know, it depends what soapbox you're on here. If you're for player safety, this is why it exists. I mean, football is a very physical punishing game and, you know, you can't have these guys playing, you know, a whole nother quarter. I guess you could, that would make the most sense to me is just let them play the quarter out. You know, Buffalo probably should have had a chance with the football, but then what happens if it's tied again after that first quarter? I mean, these guys just can't keep playing. Somebody's going to get hurt, I would guess. And that's the reason they do it. And I, so to me, I mean, I love the college rule. Why not just put it at the 25 and in the NFL stipulate that if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two points, exactly. uh, not kick an extra point. And, and then, you know, maybe it ends at that point. Um, because I like that. Both teams get a crack with the football. And that makes the most sense to me is to give both teams a shot without having it run on all night, you know, and playing two or three extra quarters. You can't do that. Um, But right now, I I have no sympathy for the Bills. I mean, come on, you have lead with 13 seconds to go. And, you know, you let them try for a field goal with no time out, I think the Chiefs had. I mean, that that to me is unforgivable. I don't care what you say about the overtime rules. That's on the Bills. That's a loss that's going to haunt them for the rest of their franchise history, just like, you know, Scott Norwood, wide right's going to do with the Super Bowls. I mean, you got to be better in that situation. I, I don't yeah. care about the overtime rules. To me, it shouldn't have been an overtime. Bill should have wrapped that up in regulation. Yep. And now it's a big issue because they didn't. And that's what we need to focus on is why didn't they? Not how come they didn't get the ball in overtime. Bill should have had it won. Well, the old saying, and you know, I'm full of old sayings today. I don't know why. Just, they're coming to me like right and left. <laughs> the old saying is play like you've been here before. <laughs> They they didn't play like they've been there before. Kansas City did. Tampa Bay did. Yeah. But I, yeah. Matt, let's move over to that game. Can the Rams and the Buccaneers? We we saw probably the last game. Uh, you know we we we're seeing a couple grades. You know we saw the last game this year with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, but you know obviously he's going he's going to be retired. We we think we've seen the last game of Tom Brady. A lot, a lot could say that a lot of the big names, a lot of the Giants are, are following. The, the Giants are following. Uh, but the uh, the Rams and the Buccaneers, the Rams almost pulled the Bills because they had that whole game. And then I was sitting there, I told, told Melissa, I said, you can't count out Tom Brady. You can't – there goes Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does. They're, you know, honestly thought this was going to become go down to overtime and Tom Brady's going to win. It said – that entire last five minutes, Tom Brady's going to do what Tom Brady does. And then the Rams did pull off the win. But the Rams almost pulled the Bills as well. Very exciting finish as well. And, again, the Tom Brady Hate Club uh, membership card came out. So I was excited <laughs> to see Tampa Bay lose uh, to the Rams. And I think this game, this weekend, tomorrow, uh, with the Rams and the, the the 49ers might be the best game of the weekend, and it's certainly going to be an epic game in, in both of those games. So talk with us a little bit about the Rams and the Buccaneers, and then we'll take on these two teams and we'll get out of our balance over time. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, listen, I, that, that last play that uh, Stafford hit, I almost said Goff, geez, Stafford uh, <laughs> threw to uh, – to uh, who was that? Cooper Cup down there in the middle of the field? Yeah. Or was that, I, I don't I remember. Was Coop, but yeah, Cooper Cup or something like that. Yeah. Man, what a great year Cooper Cup's had. But I think you could argue. I mean, that defense—he just like Cooper Cup run right down the middle of the field. And Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks, was—he was in the coaching head coaching mix here. He was getting some interviews. And then after that game, 
you don't hear about Todd Bowles anymore. I mean, that to me is an unforgivable play to give up, you know, a 50-yard pass, whatever it is, when it looked like, you know, on the previous play, you know, Stafford's just quarterback keeping up the middle. It looks like they're playing for overtime. And then they figure, okay, well, let's just see what we got here. And sure enough, Cooper Cup straight right out of the slot, right down the middle of the field. Uh, you can't do that. And to me, that might have cost Todd Bowles a head coaching job. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was good. Good to see the Rams win. Listen, the Rams went all in this year, right? They sold their sold the farm basically. They have no draft picks because they, you know, built this dream team that needs to win the Super Bowl. And uh, you know, now they have that team. And I think tomorrow, you're right. I think that's going to be a great game. And I think the Bills or the Bengals and the Chiefs is going to be a good game too. I really do. I the Chiefs oh, yeah. defense stinks. The Bengals have great offense. Uh, so I think we're going to see two great games again on Sunday. But I, how do you top last weekend where all four games that came down to a, a last-second field, you know, last-second play decided by a combined 15 points in four, those four games? I mean, I don't know how you top that. You know, and, and it, it was – and also, if you look – if you want to, you know, play stat nerd, all but I think one of them were won by visiting teams. I'm pretty sure. Except, Drew, for, the, you know, except okay. for the Bills and the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs held right. serve that's, at home. That was the only one of the well, weekend. That's that's crazy. That's absolute crazy. So, the, I, you know, I'm an AFC guy. No, I, I, I'm not going to hide that. But I like both both games tomorrow. I am a Chiefs guy. My second uh, favorite team in the NFL AFC is uh, the, the Chiefs. So I'm going to be rooting as a fan for the Chiefs. But the guy that likes to root for the underdog is the Bengals, and the Bengals need to play like they've been there before because they haven't been there before in a long time. So they need to play. And I, I wonder, you wonder, because Arrowhead is such a loud stadium to play in, one of many outdoor stadiums that get really, really loud. And, of course, got to deal with the cold. I don't know if that's going to affect Joe Burrow too much, but I wonder, I don't know if he's, got, if he's ever been played in a game this big, which I know he hasn't, uh, that the the crowd was this loud in a, on a cold Sunday afternoon, but I root for the Bengals in this. So, do you think the Chiefs pull it out and get to the Super Bowl again? Yeah, I think they do. I just think, like you said, the moment they've been there before. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't. What a great run it's been. Uh, but you know, listen, Joe Burrow and Lamar Chase won a national t- title for LSU back a couple of years ago, so they've been in big games, but. Uh, they played in that game where half the crowd was LSU fans and half the crowd was whoever it was they beat in that game, maybe Alabama. I don't remember. Probably Alabama. That'd be my guess. But, uh, you know, this is going to be a whole different animal for him. Uh, But, you know, they did beat the Chiefs in the final weekend of the season. I think it was week 17 or 18. Uh, And in that game, Burrow just feasted on that Chiefs defense. He was 30 for 39, 446 yards. Jamar Chase had – a record day, 266 yards receiving, three touchdowns. I mean, the Chiefs' defense isn't very good. And if the Bengals can take advantage of every drive they have and put points on the board, they can get this victory. They can they can get this win. Um, but I just think, like you said, playing at home in front of that loud crowd on a cold January, late January day in Kansas City, going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Bengals. They beat the Chiefs in Cincinnati. 
I don't know what the temperature was, but it, I doubt it's going to be what it'll be in Kansas City on Sunday. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't know what the over-under is, but, you know, I would probably play the over because the Chiefs are tough to stop on defense. I mean, the Bills had the number one defense coming in, and Mahomes just picked them apart. Uh, so I think you could see a game in the 30s, and maybe it's another one of those whoever has the ball last games wins. Uh, I think it's uh, – the, the Bengals are a seven-point underdog. I, I would probably pick them to cover that. I think it's yeah. going to be closer than that, but I think the Chiefs will prevail. Well, you know, if, if Joe Burrow manages to get to the Super Bowl, that's exactly what you want out of your first-round quarterback. And a lot of people have their doubts about Joe Burrow, but it looks like he's, he turned uh, those naysayers into uh, – well, there's not an old saying that goes with that, so – you turn around the naysayers. <laughs> Let's go over to the. <laughs> Let's go over to the NFC, which, which by the way, I, I did leave the Eagles out. My favorite NFC team is the Eagles, and I follow them vicariously through you. So just, just so you know, they're they're in my top three. Uh, but <laughs> I like the 49ers. Okay. I like the Rams, and, and like you said, the the Rams have been building this dream team, and we've seen this very. Actually, you, one might say they they took a blueprint from Bill Belichick and and the Patriots. They like, okay, this is what we want. This is how we do it. And they, you know, they they went for gold. And if they if it doesn't get to a vic, Super Bowl victory, all of that was for nothing. Even if they did get to the Super Bowl. So I like the 49ers and the Rams. I think this is going to be a good game. And us Colts fans, we're also, you know, uh, backdooring some whispers that uh, Garoppolo might come to the Colts. We don't know. But that's just something we'd like to maybe have a conversation about. But <laughs> Johnny Garoppolo and the 49ers have got a great matchup. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this matchup tomorrow evening? Again, should be an epic uh, uh, blood fest, if you will, uh, for all intents and purposes. And they go to the, the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure who I'm rooting for in this game. I mean, if the Niners win and the Chiefs win, obviously it's a rematch of the Super Bowl from two years ago. I'm not necessarily sure I want to see that. I, you know, I know in the AFC I'm going to root for the Bengals. You know, I have a little bit of Kansas City Chiefs fatigue at this point, even though I did grow up back in the day rooting for the Chiefs uh, when I was a very, very <laughs> young boy with Len Dawson and uh, Buck Buchanan and Ed Podol. I can have some of those names, but uh, Willie Lanier, throw out another one. But, uh, yeah, so I, I – but I, I still want to see that. I'm rooting for the new blood. I'm rooting for a city that's never had experienced the Super Bowl, having been through that with the Eagles in Philadelphia in 2017. It's just so – you know, it's such an amazing feeling. So I would love to see a first-time city win the Super Bowl. So I'll be for the Bengals. But that Rams-Niners game, I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, I – I like them both. I don't like them both. I mean, I, I got a love-hate relationship with both of them, but I think that that 49ers winning streak, six games that they have over the Rams, that's pretty significant. Uh, of course, the stakes are higher now, uh, you know, in this one. And then maybe the Rams use that as a little motivation to, to find a way to, you know, break that streak. And it is at home. It is in L.A., uh, which I don't know if that will help or not because San Francisco is right up the road. So I expect there will be a lot of, 49ers fans there too uh but uh you know I give the edge to uh Stafford at the quarterback spot I'm not a big you know Jimmy G's okay I think you know all he does is win somehow some way I'm not sure how uh sometimes <laughs> Which is what we watch, want the Colts. But, uh, <laughs> yeah right but that defense is good you know that Niners defense is really good Nick Bosa if he can put some pressure on 
on uh, on on Stafford, that'll help, and I and I think he will. On the flip side, you know that right tackle spot for the 49ers, uh, Mike Compton or Tom Compton, he, he's a real liability. So, you know, I think the you know the Rams are going to be able to uh, really get some heat on Jimmy G, and I think the Rams will find a way to win uh, and snap that streak against the Niners, and I think we're going to see a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. Well, don't give us your Super Bowl pick just yet. That that has to wait until Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so your your picks are the uh, Chiefs and the Rams. My picks are just the opposite of that. I'm going to go with the Bengals and the 49ers. I think that'll be a good Ooh. matchup. And I'm, I'm like you. I don't want to see a, a 49ers Chiefs. Uh, oh, I do. As a fan, I do want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Who am I lying? But it, uh, it, it would be a, a good game, uh, an absolute historic game for the Bengals and if they manage to hold off to win, and we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, again, Super Bowl Sunday is when we'll give out our official uh, picks, and we'll see what happens. This has been Balanced Overtime. Uh, Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is also with us at NSI.com. Real quickly here, there's been another name that's been tossed around to, to go to the Saints. I think it's more of just somebody else's name to talk about. So we got because we got to throw names in there. I don't see that there's any validity to this, but I've heard the arguments on national media this week about Andy Reid going to the Saints. One, he's got a lot of baggage in Kansas City, and it would be a breath of fresh air for him to go to to uh, New Orleans. Problem is, he's got some well-known health issues, which is unfortunate for him. Uh, do do they want to take that risk on? And then, of course, we know his family issues, which is you know personal, but yet. Not when you're in that type of a of a spotlight. I think those two issues kind of will keep him from moving from the Chiefs to the Saints. But do you think that that's a real possibility? You know, you you're very familiar with Andy Reid and and his tendencies. Do you think that he would end up with as the new coach in New Orleans? No, I, I don't. I, I don't know why you'd walk away from Patrick Mahomes in his prime. Uh, him and GM Brett Beach have a good working relationship. You're going to a city, you know, New Orleans. I mean, I just think Andy's going to just cement his legacy right where he is. I mean, just stay put. I don't know how much longer he's going to do this, but I listen. You know, he, he's gotten four. Uh, he's gotten two teams to their championship game four straight years. This will be the fourth straight year with Kansas City, and he did it with Philadelphia when he was with the Eagles for 14 years. I don't see any reason why he would take that job unless they offer him like, you know, $1 billion or something. I just don't think he's going. <laughs> There's always a price. Money always talks. Uh, yeah. Money always talks. Well, uh, Ed, we appreciate you joining. It's going to be a great weekend of, of football. Really excited to uh, see what happens here as we get closer to the Super Bowl. Obviously excited to have you uh, part of our annual Super Bowl uh, show on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but, Ed, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Uh, just follow me on Twitter, at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and uh, you see all the story links me and my colleague John McMullen put up uh, about the Eagles and the NFL. Awesome, and we always try to get it up as soon as we see it. So, uh, Ed, you yeah. have yourself a good weekend, and we'll see who's going to be in the Super Bowl this weekend, sir. Enjoy the games, Tom. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. We had our, our uh Balance overtime that happens from time to time. The good thing about it is if you are listening to us on the podcast, you haven't missed it, you didn't notice anything. But if you did listen to us the live, you probably heard a drop off there about 15 minutes ago. And, uh, well, now you just got to 
go back over to the pot, which you've done already if you're hearing the overtime. So <laughs> I digress. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Uh, thank you so much for uh, following us uh, on our social media, T Balance and On the Balance. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, just uh, go ahead and hit like so we know how awesome you are. Uh, we already know how awesome uh, that, that we are. And, and the good thing about it, anytime that we drop a show, you're going to get an alert. And every time that we wrap up a show, we drop a show. So it's all there. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>